Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast uh, brought to you by DraftKings, code word PHNX. You throw down $5 on any NFL game, and if you win, guess what? You're a new customer. You get $200 to play with. All right, let's hop into this Arizona-Washington game. 21-16, and Anthony, I was tweeting out throughout the game, as I'm sure you might have seen. I actually thought that... uh, I felt pretty comfortable that Arizona was going to win this game. And we're going to get to all your guys' comments here in just a minute. But it feels like we just can't have good things around here in Tucson. No, man, that first quarter vibe was Arizona. This was the night. Arizona was going to win tonight. The streak was going to end. And the pressure's off and there was going to be partying in the streets. Maybe they were going to tear down the goalposts. I'm not sure. Um Everything was right there, Mike. I don't know. I mean, we know we know what happened. We know the play. They're up, Arizona's up two scores early in the fourth quarter at the Washington 28 with first down. Will Plummer decides to throw the ball into an area where there's like four or five human beings and some really large Washington lineman gets the ball in his hands for the first time in his life and picks it off. Mm-hmm. That That's- is... That is Arizona football right now. That game, they go in, even if they maybe you, – you know that drive was probably going to end in a field goal because most of Arizona's red zone drives end in a field goal. Right. But even so, it felt like they would have kept momentum, times running off. Dylan Morris is a horrible quarterback. <laughs> they, they and have, Anthony doesn't say that very often. It was right there. Um, so we can get into the more details, but man, that one play is going to get, uh, going to get dissected quite a bit. You know, let's hop into the comments right here because we, we, we try to engage our, uh, our listeners and our followers as much as possible. And let's start with Jesus VAZ. He says, okay, so, uh, Plummer made a big mistake, but I have a question. 
He says, Jetfish's play calling, it's horrible, west to east, never down the field. Did you see Washington come back? They always went downfield. You know, Anthony, at some point, I got to kind of agree with uh, our guy Jesus here that this has been a this has been a mantra all season, whether it was Gunnar Cruz, now whether it's Will Plummer. When you have quarterbacks that aren't throwing for over 100 yards in a game. I mean, I if I look at the stats on my other screen here. He attempted 20 passes and threw for 68 yards. That's just not going to cut it I under any circumstances. It. I mean, I would normally say, yeah, they needed to do that to kind of open up and spring the running game. Arizona Pat ran for more than 200 yards. But, again, they put together these double-digit play drives, right? 10 mm-hmm. plays, 12 plays. Fifth, they had one – their last scoring play – their scoring drive tonight went 15 plays in like 58 yards. That's really right. hard to do. And they always bog down. I mean, that's what happens when you run that many plays and you just can't sustain it, get into the end zone. You need the big plays. And this offense, yeah, so I kind of agree with that. There's nothing downfield. There's no big plays. And you don't make the defense have to play honestly. Anthony, you've watched a lot of you, – you've covered a lot of college football over the years. And honestly, you've covered a lot of really good teams that, and as Dick Tomey was famous for saying, preserve the right to punt. Or, yes, I used that today on Twitter. Correct. I saw it. That's why I threw it out there. My question is this. Have you seen anything like this, though, where it's – we don't have the Desert Swarm defense behind us. I don't think anybody's saying that. And yet you still have a team that is not looking to ever throw the ball. I don't know how you win under those circumstances. At some point, and again, I was at the game, I'm yelling at Will Plummer internally, just throw the ball downfield, just see what will happen because this this timid, this doesn't work. No, I mean, we, we can go back to the Desert Swarm offenses that era of offenses and they were low scoring and conservative by design because everything was geared to play into Arizona's defense because they could win with defense and special teams and they just needed to not make a big mistake eat up some clock that would give the defense field position and rest this offense is putting up Worst numbers because it's inept, not because they're trying to play into its defense. And I think that's pretty much the key there. I understand it. If you have an all-time great defense, you just brought up the Desert Swarm, which you were fortunate enough to cover all those years. You can make you can make the case that that's the best defense that college football has ever seen. You you can. I mean, I think you know the stats. I think certainly would. It's just, that, let's just say it's an historical defense. It's an historical defense, yes. But this defense under Don Brown is improved. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They've kept Arizona in a lot of games. But at what point, though, do you have to sit there, and if you're Jed Fish, if you're – and he's the offensive coordinator. He's the one calling the plays. Do you have to sit there and say, we're just not good enough on this side of the ball, and not only are we not good enough – we're not even close to being good enough because what you saw out there today was a game, Anthony, and you're you're the you're the expert here. You're the one that's seen way more than I have. But if Arizona even delivers a C performance on offense, they win this game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can. This defense, I agree, is improved. the uh, The pressure up front is a lot better. The play up front is a lot better. Um, 
you know, this this was a game I thought they could win because Dylan Morris is horrible under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I knew Don Brown was going to dial up some stuff and he did. And they got some sacks and they got some pressures. But like on the biggest throw of the game, when he hit the like that 51 yarder to a Bynum in that scoring drive, Morris had all day. You know, it's it's kind of situational stuff. You got to do it and you got to do it at the right time. But you can't, while this defense is better, you can't ask them to keep the other team under 20 points because that's the only way right now you're going to win a game because right. your offense can't score 20 points in a game. All right. I want to go to Bob, our, our friend, Bob, who has called in many, many times over the years to talk with us. Uh, boog boog on YouTube. If, uh, um, if Anthony didn't know that he said, this team still can't score. It poops the bed in the red zone. Anyone who thought we were winning this game with field goals was lying to themselves. Let me ask you this. What is the problem when this team, and I understand that it's more difficult once you get into the red zone. I get that. But this team does seem, Anthony, like when they get into the red zone, it's almost like, okay, we're here. We can always just attempt a field goal. Right. Uh, well, maybe maybe Joyner is going to be that guy that helps turn the page on that. Because well, whatever they've been doing for the first six and a half games wasn't good enough. And they don't, I mean, Barry Hill's Pretty darn good. He is. He's very good. Barry Hill's the guy that would start for a lot of teams in the conference. He would start. He would play on a lot of Arizona teams over the years. You mm-hmm. know, maybe he wouldn't be the number one option or a superstar, but he would. He would fit right in. Who else is making plays? And that's the problem, right? But so, it's kind of rhetorical, right? The answer is uh, nobody. But maybe we see a lot more Joiner in the red zone because. Let's just talk about. Let's go ahead. Let's just talk about Jamari, right? Because I I was getting messages and I was getting tweets all day about Jamari. At what point? And again, guys, we're going to get to all of the responsibility questions because I think they're those are more than fair questions. At what point, if you're Jed Fish, and you've seen it, Anthony, where you throw Chuck Levy at quarterback, a guy who doesn't have the throwing capabilities that at least Jamari has shown in the past, you know, whether it's in high school, at what point do you say, you know what, we've just got to give Jamari Joyner an extended look here, not a special package, not anything like that, because we've seen with Gunnar Cruz, we've seen with Will Plummer that let's be honest, quite frankly, they're just not good enough. And again, the great kids, that's not what I'm saying, but they're just not good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's not a snap your fingers, let's put Jamari Jordan at quarterback kind of thing. But now they've had a couple weeks to kind of ramp him up a little bit to a little bit of action, some situational stuff. If if you're still trying to win this year, you've got five more weeks, right? You gotta you can you can you can coach him up a little bit harder where he can play more extended minutes. I'm right. not I don't know if you get Jamari Joyner ready to play a 60 minute game. Right. Then again, I don't know if you don't. Not well, do that's, that. that's what I was going to ask you about. <laughs> because we're at the point where, what do you have to lose? Right. You know, what do you, is just going to add a couple games to the losing streak? Who cares? So, yeah, I mean, I'd, like to see him, I'd like to see him play more because I think when you're out, when you're outgunned personnel wise, and this is this is kind of Rich Rod's old thing, right? Mm-hmm. The reason he ran that offense he did was because. He was outmanned. Right. So that was a way for lesser talented teams to compete and even the playing field. 
by doing tempo, RPO, all that kind of stuff. And right now, Jamar Joyner is Arizona's best chance, only chance to do something similar. All right. So I will say this. If you're not on DraftKings right now, you should be on DraftKings. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. You should be taking the under in every single Arizona game. I've been taking the under in every Arizona game. You should all be taking the under. You know what? You throw in code word PHNX, and guess what? If you bet on an NFL game with five bucks, pays out $200, and you can play with that, and you can turn that into something special. And 21 and up, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEPS. Again, new customers only. And eligibility restrictions may apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Anthony, again, you know, I know you might not be a gambler, but I took the under with DraftKings in the Colorado-Arizona game. I never understood why it was 46 and a half. Right now, Arizona plays pretty good defense. To me, it seems pretty easy. And so you throw that one in there. The other thing, too, about when you're here at PHNX, the AZ Wildcats podcast, is you get the best person in the city right here for the post game shows. And that's one, that's not Mike Luke. That's Anthony Jamino sure. because he's been around. He's seen good Arizona football. He's covered top five, 10, top 10 teams. He knows what it's about. All right. Let's talk now about where Arizona goes from here. And let's get to some of the questions here because we've got a lot of really good questions. And uh, let's, let's go with Bob. And then we're going to get to, uh, we're going to get to Sarah right after that. Bob says Arizona's defense has been on the field way too much this season. And I mean, from his worth to, or from his, you know, mouth to our ears, this is a team, Anthony, that has defensively, if you were to tell me before the season, this is what we would get by this point in the year. I think all of us would have taken it. I, the defense I thought, I think has performed admirably. It's not the desert swarm, but it's been a, a solid defense. I would put it like that. And like Bob said, they're on the field way too much. Yeah. I mean, what would you grade it? A C? C, B minus? Maybe. I mean, I, I think to get into the B range, you got to get me some turnovers. So that, and that's the point. That's the problem. Yeah, you got to sure. make me some plays. Um, and that's the, the killer. I mean, the, the. Let me the ask point. you this. Let me ask you this, Anthony. But have and let me just kind of rephrase it a little bit. Do you ever go into the game and said Arizona's defense lost them that game? Outside of maybe San Diego State, this season, no. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, you wish that, again. You wish at times they would have done a little bit more in the big play turnover department, right? But basically, hey, let's go back to an offense that again has now gone 10 consecutive games without scoring 20 points. Right. This is the year like 2021. I mean, scoring is pretty popular in college football these days. It's designed to score. I mean, I mean, uh, I've seen some of the trends, you know, pretty much college football sets a uh, offensive records every single year. That's, that's hard to do. Right. And it's designed for you to be able to score. And let's get to uh, Sarah's point. And because I, I got a theory on this, uh, Sarah Beth Greer, she puts out there, we have to play all court, all four quarters, not just three. And mm -hmm. I've always thought, and it's a great point, and we appreciate the uh, the contribution. I've always felt though, with bad teams or teams that just aren't very good, whatever way you want to word it, 
It's easy to play a half. Stay with it. It's easy to maybe play three quarters, but generally at some point, the talent disparity wears out and Washington's not good. Washington sucks. I mean, you, you called it before the season. We'll get to Washington here in a little bit, but Washington still has better players than Arizona does. They do. And you know, now we now we can we can see that Arizona played BYU into the fourth quarter. They played UCLA into the fourth quarter. They played Oregon into the fourth quarter. They played Washington into the fourth quarter. And this was the first time they actually had the lead, two score lead. Um but yeah, whether you know, I don't know, it's is talent perhaps just general overall conditioning. Mm-hmm. That has, has a little bit also to do with talent because now we saw yesterday or last week was 28 nothing. They got right. blitzed in the second half today, 21 to three. They just, they yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a, I don't want to say it's a uh, kind of a willpower mental thing. I just think they wear down right. right at that third quarter, end of the third quarter mark. And I can't really sit here and blame the defense. And like you said, I think it's a good point that they haven't forced turnovers. I agree, but I think it's been overall a decent unit. And that's, I think, what's kind of disappointing because at least coming into the year, the question I had was the question that I think a lot of people have had for the last seven, eight years is, first of all, what's Arizona's defense going to look like? Because yes, there's a lot of questions about the offense, but I think more than anything, people question what exactly is the defense going to look like? And I think the defense by and large has been, it's been it's been good enough. How about that? Yeah. And, and now the questions are okay. What are we doing on offense? And let's get to what, let's get to Bob's question. Let's yeah. get to our guy Bob's question here. And then uh, um, Sony Cam well, one. We're going to get to yours then. Bob says Arizona does not and has not had a QB who can lead a game winning drive in quite some time. And he's true. And he's right. And my question, I got a twofold question here for you. Jordan McLeod, I think, was not great, but he was significantly better than what we've seen from um, Will Plummer and Gunnar Cruz. But he's also not going to mistake anybody for you know being Vin- or Michael Vick at Virginia Tech. You've so you've got him coming back next year. Then you got Noah Fafita coming in, but it's not like Noah Fafita as good you know as many numbers as he's putting up. He's going to be a freshman, and it's not like he's Trevor Lawrence. So where what is the hope for next year if you're a coach or if you're a if you're Anthony Gimino and you've seen a lot of teams, what is the hope for next year from the quarterback position? Yeah, well, sign me up for that quarterback room right now if it holds. Right. McLeod and Fafita, I'd take my chances with that right now. Mm-hmm. There are, I mean, and then I'm not sure. I'm not sure you get a top. You how do you get a top notch? If if those are the two coming in, how do you get a top notch transfer? Right. Right. Um, You're gonna have to ride with them. There's 100 quarterbacks in the transfer portal, but if you see if you see a guy like McLeod, who Arizona liked, had been the starter for at least a for at least a half a second before uh, before he got hurt, and then a four star freshman. Right. It's gonna be hard to recruit talent. So. Um, <laughs> don't come to Arizona. We got too many quarterbacks because it's hard to it's hard to gather quarterback depth these days. Right. 
you don't get four or five really good guys in the quarterback room anymore because your three, four, and five guys are transferring. Hmm. So let's all right. So we, we I got a couple questions here, and we're gonna keep keep the comments coming, everybody, because we're going to uh we're gonna keep and I actually had two different people message me this, so I'm going to I'm gonna throw it out right now. Uh we got this from Nick Howard, and we got it from uh ASAP Duck one two three great name. Not sure what it means, but I still like that name. Did we maybe not? Um, did we maybe not appreciate what we had with Rich Rod at the time, Ag? Well, I think we appreciated his offense, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's the comment, right? His scheme was so good mm-hmm. he could win seven games with not much talent. Right? Bingo. That's kind of what we were talking about, and that's what that's what the whole design was that he could take his lesser guys and beat your better guys right? schematically because what he was doing was he was so good. He was eliminating um, basically one of the other defenders by, by the scheme. Right. And I remember, and we talked about this way back on a different radio show, but I remember like Rich Rod's first year and I was interviewing other coaches he had coached against or something like that. And the comment was that, Nobody was better in the country than Rich Rod in terms of getting guys in space. And that wasn't talent. That was scheme. Right. And, you know, a lot of people copied it. Everybody runs some version of it. But, you know, that doesn't mean everybody did it at the same level. Or, you know, Rich Rod, under, he kind of originated, originated it, understood it, and by and large did it better than most people for a lot of years. Right. Um, Like I said, a couple things here. First of all, if you're not on DraftKings, you should be on DraftKings. Anthony, have you taken advantage of some of these uh, free plays that DraftKings has? I might have. I'll extend this for you a little bit here because, you know, if you weren't one of the smart people who bet the under, or you weren't one of the smart people who got like Arizona at 17 or 18 points, you could play when Arizona went up 10 nothing. You could do an in game, in game bet mm-hmm. and get Arizona still getting about seven and a half points throughout almost the entire game. And you know what? If you don't take that, so that was a pretty good deal. Right, for sure. And you know what else is a great deal, too? You throw down five bucks and you know what? You win an NFL game, we're gonna, they'll give you $200 to play with. So you throw in code word PHNX right there. And it works. Now, one other thing, too, that I don't think that I've talked with Anthony about, and we're going to get to some questions here because we've got uh, we got Sean Seeley and we got Nick Howard making some uh, very good points here. What do you know about Manscaped, Anthony? I I know what I know is from listening to uh, you and and, uh, Saul read these ads. Okay, so here's what I'm going to throw out to you about Manscaped. We're in the year 2021. Everybody grooms down below a little bit. And you know what? If you don't, if you're saying you don't, you're probably lying to yourself. So why not go with the company that makes it easy? Why not go with the company that knows what they're doing? And you know what? They make it easy. They got all the tools. They got all the technology. Everything you knew, everything you need. And guess what? If you're listening right now, You've got, you throw in code word PHNX and you get 20% off and free shipping with the code word PHNX at manscaped.com. Again, 
code word PHNX and 20% off free shipping PHNX code word. And that's, it's something that you're going to want to hop on there literally and figuratively because it makes your life easier. And that's really what you want right there. Anthony Jamino might not have used it yet. I have used it. And you know what? You can tell by the, uh, the grooming on Mike Luke right here, that it's probably something that you might want to, uh, you might want to hop in as well, because you know what? It keeps you clean. It keeps you nice. Okay. Manscaped. So, all right. I want to get to some of these comments here and, um, here let me let me ask you this before we get to some of it because i think white panda 10 makes an interesting point another great name why hasn't arizona football been able to be good in the last 20 years i've texted you i've texted you that the last day or two you haven't responded so i figured that i would wait until we got onto the az wildcats post game yeah. podcast to see, what the, it. It, right? to see what the great one anthony says what do you what do you throw just generally what do you look at and say you know what that's kind of the overarching theme as to why Arizona football hasn't been able to be good. Or is there an overarching theme? You know my answer, Mike. Go ahead. It's always the head coach. Mm-hmm. College football is all about the head coach. Right. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you want to go back at the origin, the origin story is running Dick Tomey out of town and hiring John McAvoy. Mm-hmm. Um, So that set the program back. So you bring in Mike Stoops. But he's got to get a few years to get going. You know, he kind of gets them to a decent place, recruits some good dudes, some guy named Gronk and Foles and uh, goes to the Vegas Bowl. And you think maybe he's turning the corner and then he runs into a wall and it's gone. You know, that was kind of a Greg Byrne thing. Stoops wasn't Byrne's guy, so he wants to bring in Rich Rod. Rich Rod has one fantastic season. But, you know, they also seem to, near the end, have one foot out the door and didn't understand how to recruit to Arizona. I'm glad I'm glad you threw that one out there right there. Um, here's my question. You covered the duration of the Dick Tomey era. You saw three, you know, during your time. I don't think you were covering them in 88 when they had a top 25 team, but I think from 90 to 98, if I'm not mistaken, you saw three top 25 teams. Is that fair? Yeah, 91 for me. Okay. All right. So you saw a top five team. You saw a top 10 team. My question is this. Why was Dick Tomey able to do something where Arizona would be kind of middling, but then you would all, every maybe third, fourth year, you would have a really good team. And even the year after the Desert Swarm, it was a good team that had a lot of tough breaks. But a guy like a Rich Rod, who I think from an X's and O's perspective was about as good as anybody, wasn't able to maintain that. Why? What was Tommy able to do that his four successors were not able to do? Because he had a great coaching staff and guys who knew how to recruit to here, despite the obvious lack of facilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other piece to the puzzle. When when Tommy went to Jim Livengood in the early to mid-90s and said, we need to spend money to upgrade our facilities, it wasn't a priority. Arizona was doing, was doing great, doing pretty good, at least, with what they had. Right. And Arizona didn't spend money, which then for, you know, put them further behind everybody else in the league. And then 
years later, forced them to spend more money just to catch up. So that was a lose-lose situation. But, you know, tell me, we, you know, tell me always understood they had great coaching and great recruiting eyes. Right. You know, they, they recruited the right kind of, of talent to Arizona in the right kind of places. And, you know, when you look back at Stoops and he had it going, he had a great coaching staff. He recruited pretty well for a while, but, you know, he, he kind of ran out of steam at the end. And then I think Rich Rod just never really got the recruiting piece. He could, he put together, you know, one great year, win the South um, with when you got, you kind of, you fell into uh, Scooby, right? Right. Uh, but you know, you can't, you can't build a four or five year program on one Scooby, right? Right. I got a couple questions here, Anthony. So let's go with Sony cam one, because this was a great question. It's almost like he saw my notes because I was going to ask you about this and then we're going to get to ASAP duck <laughs> one, two, three. Tommy was great at recruiting JC talent. Yeah. Now the term JC talent now in the year 2021 is almost kind of like a bad word and I'm not sure exactly why. But Sony Cam one or uh, one is exactly right. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, the '98 team that had, excuse me, that uh, went 12 and one and finished uh, fifth, fifth in the nation in one poll, fourth in the nation in the other. Your best player on your team, Chris McAllister, JC Kid. You're arguably at the time your best wide receiver, Jeremy McDaniel, JC Kid. Another guy, Edwin Mulatalo. Went on to play 10-plus years as a starter in the NFL. J.C. Kidd. You've got, uh, you've got had guys that were redshirting at the time. And Antonio Pierce. J.C. Kidd. And I'm sure off the top, I'm, and these are just guys off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot that you probably remember. But is it different in the year 2021 as far as recruiting J.C. Kids? Yeah, it's it's way different. It's way different. How so? Because- How so? Well, the the transfer portals you knew, JC, right? As, as Nick has Nick mentioned, well, as Nick Howard just threw out there. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't have to recruit the JC kid anymore because you can go into the transfer portal, find a guy who has maybe three or four years of eligibility, who you also have at least a little bit or maybe a lot of tape on at the D one level. So it's kind of a safer. Uh, safer recruitment and perhaps a longer recruitment. So the the portal is your new JC, right? Okay, fair well, enough. Maybe that's you know maybe that's uh, everybody is always looking for ways to beat the system, mm-hmm. and so maybe maybe there'll be some smart head coach that kind of bypasses the portal and says, "Hey, I'm going to go get these talented JC kids that now nobody seems to want." Now, Yavapai Duke makes a point, and I, I understand what he's making, but I think I don't know that it's necessarily quite relevant to Arizona. He said that Arizona lost all JC football, but when I look at at least at the Tomey years, it wasn't really Arizona JC kids that they were making a big killing on. It was yeah, generally, it was, um, but it was California, um, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma. Those were the biggies. Idaho. Idaho. Do you know who the Idaho one was? Wasn't it Edwin? I don't remember. I no, don't. There you go. I, I feel good if I just stuffed Anthony Jamino on I'm, something. I'm just gonna go Google this real quick over here. So, uh, yeah, you go ahead and uh, and now, okay, well, you mentioned Chris McAllister as a JC kid, which is 
technically true. <laughs> Come on, he was like a borderline five star kid. He would have been the epitome of a kid that could have gone to Alabama. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was all over the recruiting mags and had signed with UCLA. And then there was some SAT stuff that the uh, UCLA didn't like, so he ended up at JC for a year. Right. Just so not your traditional JC guy, but yeah. He, if he had at least come maybe from some good football lineage, then maybe uh, <laughs> maybe he would have been a little bit better. Maybe at that there was point. a connection between his dad and Coach <laughs> Tommy. Maybe. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying. All right, I think Ace. Now here's another question that I wanted to throw out there because, and again, we have the smartest listeners in the world right here on the AZ Wildcats podcast because it's almost like they're reading my notes sometimes. Or heck. Maybe I'm just looking at Twitter and seeing what they're saying and stealing their thoughts. You're but stealing. who knows? ASAP Duck makes a great point. Arizona football might not win a game till 2023. And here's the reasoning. I think I don't necessarily know that I agree with that, but let's just say that Arizona doesn't win the rest of this season, which I which I think is a very legitimate possibility from what we've seen so far. Okay. I agree. Okay. Yeah. You look at the out-of-conference next year, and we've talked about it before. And again, knock on wood, don't beat me up here. NAU, as we've seen, is not a gimme. You don't get NAU next year. You get San Diego State, which is most likely a loss. You get Mississippi State. I haven't watched any Mississippi State football all year, but I'm guessing that's probably a loss. And then you get North Dakota State, which is supposed to be your NAU, which could very easily be a loss. Anthony, this thing, this streak could be going on for quite a while. We got, we got to do a winning post game show at some point. I mean, yeah. I mean, I really really thought tonight was a golden opportunity. I Uh, I did too. Because for, I think everything lined up, you know, if you want to look historically, which I think these things are kind of stupid. But like the home team on a Friday night, totally known for being the the upset winner. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I just thought it, the way Arizona can win this year or anytime soon is if they play another team that has a horrible quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that they, this was their opportunity. This was their opportunity. And even last last week, I thought it was too. But you know, Arizona gives up your special, gives up a special teams touchdown, gives up a, a touchdown to the offense, to the other defense, and then it just gets out of hand. But, yeah, this was – because you're not going to outscore anybody. I mean, right. you're not going to win 35-31. So you better hope you play a lousy quarterback that has a bad day and Morris hit a few throws. But this Can I ask you a question? Why are they – and I – I don't, this isn't the Washington post game show, but I got a couple questions on Washington because you obviously you follow college football around the nation very closely. Two part question. Washington to me is always a t- should be a top 20 program just from a historical perspective, from some of the built in advantages. What has happened there under Jimmy Lake with the precipitous fall? And second of all, You've got a kid in Heward that was a five-star, arguably the top-rated quarterback in the nation. What has been – why have they been so reticent to throw him out there when you've got a guy like Dylan Morris? Two questions. Go there, A.G. Right, right. I don't know. I don't know why Dylan Morris is the hill Jimmy Lake is going to die on. Right. I mean, 
Yeah, okay, they eke out a win tonight. So Jimmy Lake is six and five in his career, all with Dylan Morris as his starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Not good enough at Washington. I don't know why. Well, of course, I'm not there covering Washington. I'm not watching the practices. Maybe Hewer's not ready. But that does seem, as, like I said, that seems like a strange hill to die on. You're Jimmy Lake. You're under fire. You're only in your second year. People want you gone. And you're rolling out Morris, who now has – Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not Will Plummer, who's basically getting his third or fourth game of experience. Right. This was his 11th start. You know, I think you've got a pretty good volume of tape on, on Dylan Morris and who he is, and that's not good enough. But sometimes, you know, Washington had those three years back-to-back-to-back of double-digit wins under Peterson. Then his last year, okay, they go eight and five. Maybe there's some slippage there, and he decides to hang them up or step away or whatever he decided to to call it. Mm -hmm. You know, they pretty much, you know, we can all second-guess that decision to – to elevate Jimmy Lake from DB coach to what did you think about it at the time? If you don't mind me asking, what did you think about it? I mean, he was in a sense, he was probably one of your top five hottest assistants in the country. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, keeping, keeping your own good recruiter, you know, he's destined to be a head coach at some time. So why not at Washington? Right. Yeah. I mean, we can look back at it in hindsight and, Maybe it's too soon to make that final conclusion on him, but doesn't look good. And part of that is because they don't look like a real cohesive team that's still together. That, I mean, there seems to be a lot of bickering up there. And it doesn't look like there's a. It doesn't look like there's a plan. I mean, it, again, to me, USC should always be USC and Oregon with the built-in advantages mm-hmm. should probably be the two best teams in the conference year in and year out. You know, I get that there's a little bit of ebbs and flows, but Washington to me should always be right there in that kind of in that third in that third window. And man, they they've fallen a lot. They've fallen way yeah. back because again, but, I was go ahead. But but look about look at where they were uh was it 14 years ago? Mm-hmm. They went winless. Right. And yeah. so so why what changed? I've forgotten about that. That's why we have AG it, on here. Yeah, did Washington did their stadium fall down? No. Did they stop becoming an attractive place to play college football? No. The only thing that changed from like one era to the next was the head coach. Right. Now before before we got a couple minutes here before we we wrap this one up. And again, we appreciate everybody on here listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. You know, we got everything wrapped up in the state, whether that's Suns, whether that's Cardinals, whether that's, you know, uh, Sun Devils, they're great too. Everybody's covered there. You got live streams, you got podcasts. You should check out everything. Go PHNX and subscribe to the AZ Wildcats podcast while you're at it. But we've got a couple, we got a bunch of questions here. Nick Howard, our guy, put out there about the uh, crowd, um, as did White Panda 10. Sean Seeley also mentioned this as well. White Panda then uh, doubled up on it again. I know they said that there was 30,000 people there, Anthony. I was at that game. I can tell you there was nowhere close to 30,000 people there. That was easily, and again, I'm, 
I as and you've scolded me before sometimes because AG's the professional. I'm kind of the younger whippersnapper a little bit. I'm going to stick with this one, even if you slap me down. This was easily <laughs> the least impressive and least inspiring crowd I've ever seen at Arizona Stadium. It's um, let me tell you, Mike. It felt that way on TV. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you if if Anthony's concurring with me, at least yeah. from the beginning of the game through the end of the game. Um, you know that I've I often think ESPN turns up the uh, the crowd mics a little too loud. You can't hear the announcers. Right. They needed to turn up the crowd the crowd mics today because had no problem hearing the announcers. Right. <laughs> you had no. Pro- I wasn't listening to the announcers, but you had absolutely. N- I would imagine you had absolutely no problem with hearing yeah. the announcers. Well, at least one of the announcers wasn't Rod Gilmore. So. Man, that's a. I mean, we could have a whole thirty minute. We could have a whole thirty minute podcast on that. Arizona Twitter topic. Yes, I mean Rod Gilmore. Rod Gilmore on the call tonight, and I'm sure he's nice. Totally in that camp. I'm. I'm fine with that. Yes. No. I. I am as well. But here's the question: Where do you go from here? Because you got a guy in fish that came in, and you know what? I mean, he worked hard to sell a vision. You had the whole. It's personal. You're. You know, you're going to the fraternities, you're going to, you know, you're meeting with the alumni. Anthony, when I was walking down, there was actually somebody that recognized me and I felt really important. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, name tag? Hi. No, no, I didn't have my name tag, but get a load of this. And this is where you know that we're in the year 2021. He recognized me for the beard. Uh, And, uh, I I guess I'll take it any way I can get it. But he's, he, but it was an interesting question, and I wanted to kind of end on this because I wanted to ask you about this. He said, these fans aren't showing up until Arizona starts winning again. And I asked him, I was like, because I just wanted to kind of pick his brain real quickly. I said, you know, like this year? And he said, no. He said, this product isn't worth us worth us showing up. And he said, I've gone to every game for the last three years. When you start winning, knock on my door and I'll come back. And honestly... I haven't talked with a lot of football fans, but I think we're going to see a lot more crowds like that until they start winning. Yeah, that's that's kind of sad to hear. Yeah, but it's a perfectly it makes sense though. Sentiment can't you can't blame anybody for feeling that way. You know, I thought there was a window of opportunity where Jed could um, just by the force of his personality and offseason work get some people into the stands, but. Yeah, the NAU game, I think he lost a bunch of people that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that shut a door to a lot of the fans. And I agree, they're not coming back until, you know, it's not just one win's going to do it. They're right. not coming back until you win multiple games. And you know what? They're not, some... coming... they're not coming back, in my opinion. They're not coming back until you – put a product on the field that this will sound harsh and it's not meant to be harsh. That isn't embarrassing. Well, okay. Let's say it this way. They're not coming back until your offense scores more than 20 points in the game. I would agree with that. And fair? It, I mean, if you can't score 20 points in a game, why am I coming to it? Correct. Yes. And I think uh, we'll close on Nick's point. He said, I I'd say rock bottom, Mike, but I think we're started digging the basement there. And our close friend, John Schuster, has said that, and he's talked about this before, and I think it's spot on. He said, 
NAU is rock bottom. Arizona is just residing there now. It doesn't get worse than NAU. You're just there at this point. Yeah, you can't. Arizona can't hit rock bottom because it's already there. Yeah, like you can't dig down beyond the the caliche or whatever the term is that's yeah, in the ground. Yeah. Now you're building your uh, two story mansion. Right. Yeah, and Bob says uh, he said Arizona had attendance issues in 2015. I get it, but today. And I think uh, Steve Rivera put it out there. Um, I know he put a picture out there on Facebook that I think spoke, of, you know, spoke pretty well for what you could see. There just weren't many people there. There wasn't close. I I know at Arizona announced Anthony. There was. Oh a yeah, they, they always. I mean, they always announce tickets sold or actually like turnstile, right? That right. could be. Yeah, you know, they may be counting even hundreds of uh, support personnel at the game right but every college you know other than basically other than the service academies i think <laughs> they just then no this is like a real story a few years ago where like 127 out of 130 programs in the country announce like tickets sold as their official attendance not right. people not butts in the seat like right. except for like army and navy and maybe Air right Force. right it's, it's it's kind of weird the way so everybody's inflated, you know. But when you're Alabama and you got ninety thousand people in the stands, those are real legit. You know, every seat is filled and then some. Right. But for the rest of uh, the rest of the world, and certainly for the Arizonas of the world, they will count like everybody who's walking down Sixth Street that maybe can see the lights. Will. For you know, Anthony, we appreciate you coming on. You've uh, believe it or not. You've been around a long time, and you've got a big following. You, yes, you, yes, you've got a, uh, you you have a, yes, you have a. I'm not there yet, but I'll get there at some point. Um, You can have some of my red trimmings if you would like. But um, no thanks. uh, We we always on on a serious note though. Always appreciate you coming on because honestly, there's you're the best guy in the city. You've been in the trenches. You've been there, and if. People knew out there some of the uh, thoughts that I've thrown off of Anthony where he just looks at me and either hangs up the phone or he says, Mike, I'm not going to engage in that. You would realize what a professional Anthony is, and I think people realize that. And we're uh, we're definitely fortunate to, we're fortunate to have you on these post-game shows, AG. We really appreciate you, buddy. Anytime, Mike. Isn't this better than radio? It really is because we hop on there. We're on for 45 minutes, and you know what? Yeah. We're, su- we're succinct. And you know what? We take calls, i.e., we take the, uh, you know, we take the uh, the comments that are made. And for everybody out there, you know, um, all of the regulars, guys, we appreciate all your comments. And uh, we'll be back with you next week, uh, getting you ready or well, wrapping up everything. But oh, uh, yes, well, are we going to be back for the pregame show, Mike? Uh, don't don't uh, Bob. I was going to say Bob's listening right now, and I don't want Bob to go right there. But um, for all of you guys out there, we really appreciate you, and we'll be back uh, with you next Saturday. For Anthony Gimino, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.